Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Before we jump into the show, I want to let you know that my signature course, Brand Strategy 101, is now open for enrollment inside the Brand Design Masters Academy. This is a foundational course for creative professionals and entrepreneurs who want to get started with brand strategy so you can sell bigger projects, increase your fees for the creative work you already do, and get paid for the thinking and advice you've probably been given away for free. The moment you enroll, you get immediate lifetime access to seven modules of training with over eight hours of instructional videos, 25 lessons in all, plus 24 downloadable strategy tools and conversation guides. In Brand Strategy 101, I've taken complex strategic methodologies used by the world's most respected global branding agencies and crafted them into a deceptively simple turnkey process and toolkit that you can use with your clients, even if you've never done brand strategy before or don't know where to start. Brand Strategy 101 draws from my 25 years of experience working with clients ranging from entrepreneurs to small to medium-sized businesses all the way up to the Fortune 100. So if you're ready to up your game and bulletproof your career and protect your business from the downward pricing pressure of sites like Fiverr and Upwork, then Brand Strategy 101 is the place to start. Just go to philipvandusen.com BS101 and enroll in Brand Strategy 101 today. Again, just go to philipvandusen.com BS101 and enroll now. The following podcast comes from a live stream I did recently. Many of you have requested that I make my live streams available as audio so you can listen to them on the go. So I am now republishing some of my most popular live streams as podcasts to make that possible. I share a boatload of valuable tips, tools, methods, and processes on my live streams, and I want to make sure that you don't miss a thing. Now, you may hear me make references to slide visuals, which you obviously can't see on a podcast, or to live stream viewers' comments and questions. But that just comes with the territory and generally won't detract from the value of the content, I assure you. And as always, if you like this episode, please take a moment to provide a star rating or review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Or better yet, share the episode on social or with a friend or a colleague. And with that, let's jump into the episode. Hey, everybody. Let's talk about time management. Time management is, as I said, one of those things that affects everybody. It doesn't matter what kind of job you're in. If you are a worker and you are in business, time management and productivity is one of those things you got to pay attention to. And here's the thing. In a lot of social media, a lot of people just focus on the apps. They focus on apps that are for project management or for prioritization or list keeping, Notion, Trello, Mondays.com. Some are more fully functional than others. But the thing you got to remember is that apps do not make you more productive. Habits make you more productive. So I'm not going to be focusing on like how to use Notion or Trello or Mondays or really tactical SaaS stuff today. I'm going to be focusing on mindset and practices, habits that you can develop that if you really take them to heart, they can magically transform some of the things that you're feeling about whether you are being productive or not. So the first one, and I think there's 14 of these. And, you know, as you guys know, I'm a Venn diagram of tactical and emotional. A lot of creatives are very emotional beings, but we also, we have to be creative, but we also, because we are in business, we have to be tactical. We have to have processes and systems and all that sort of stuff. 
And so I try to share that whole human being kind of Venn diagram of those two things. So much of this is wrapped up in how you approach things. But there are some hacks that I'm going to share with you, some best practices, some ideas that you might not have thought of of ways to approach certain things that you do. So I want you to stay with me on it. So first one, I led off, I think, every single brand strategy 101 class that I taught with this slide, kill the squirrels. Because when it comes down to it, working in a digital platform on computers with phones, we are constantly barraged with notifications, with bleeps, with pings, with boops, with windows that are popping up, notifications on our home screens. And I'm a distractible person. I have a little bit of ADD. I'm not like really like diagnosed that way, but I have a little bit of it. And many, many creatives and entrepreneurs are the same way. By the token that we're also super creative and we have sparks going off in our head all the time, it's sometimes when those notifications pop up, it is very difficult to stay focused. And so this is a habit and a hack that sounds simple, but it's really hard to do because there are so many ways that notifications pop up. They can be calendar notifications. They can be phone things. If you have, you know, make a little tweet sound every time you get a tweet or tweet pops up that you're following. Here's a really big time management tip that's going to keep you focused. Turn off desktop notifications and phone alerts. Do not get distracted by the squirrels. There are a lot of moving squirrels in the digital world. And so that is tip number one. No notifications. When I have a meeting coming up, like I have an important client meeting, or I have a live or something that I'm doing that I really got to be there for. And because I'm distractible, I can like get into some deep project work and then, oops, I'm five minutes late for client meeting. So generally what I do is I have my calendar set up to notify me. And then I also have my phone set up for calendar notifications for only those super important meetings. And here's the big one. What I really do is I set an alarm on my phone. In the morning, when I'm having my coffee, I'll say, hey, I got a meeting at 10 o'clock. Don't want to miss that one. Don't want to be late. I set up an alarm on my phone for 9.50 so I can like get alerted and be on task. All right. We are not octopuses. We do not have a million arms that have minds of their own. They cannot operate independently of each other. Octopuses actually have arms that can do different things, think different things, and carry on different tasks all at the same time. We are not like that. We have been taught that multitasking is a possibility. And when it comes down to it, multitasking is not a possibility. Human brains cannot multitask. It has been shown over and over in studies that we can't do it. And if we try to do things, what happens is we end up doing both things worse. So when we try to do two things, we end up doing both of them worse. So it's much better to do things sequentially than it is to try to do two things at once. And that's also where those desktop notifications pop in because they try to keep us thinking in two paths all the time. I want to share a quick little story with you, and you can, I'm sure, identify with this, which is that if you're in a restaurant, right, you're in a restaurant, you're having a conversation, and you're at a table, and there's a couple other tables right next to you, or you're at a group setting, and you're having a conversation with the person in front of you across the table, and there's two other conversations going on on either side of you. When you're having that conversation, I don't know about you, but sometimes I pick up snippets of both conversations and it's very hard for me sometimes to concentrate on just the conversation that I'm having. 
And so not only can you not understand the conversations that are happening on either side of you, but you also can't really fully participate in the conversation that you are having. That is a perfect example of how multitasking does not work. So I am a big proponent of simplifying and laying out a calendar and a sequence of to-dos sequentially so you aren't trying to maintain different streams of activity at the same time. Now, this is an important one. Repetition kills. And what I mean by that is that think about what you do over and over during the day. Think about what you're doing more than once or finding yourself doing repetitively. When I started off with my business, one of the things that I had to do a lot was I had to write emails. I had people reaching out to me for coaching or consulting, or they wanted to sponsor me, or they wanted me to speak, or they had questions about their portfolio. And so I found myself very quickly writing the same emails all the time. So I developed templates. Every time I wrote an email that I knew was going to be an email that I have a tendency to write a lot, I saved it in a Word doc. And I set it up so it says, hi, blank. And then if there's any other person or name specific things that I have to have in that email, I just create a little underscore line for a blank that I know when I see it that I have to fill that part in. I have about 40 email templates for consulting, answering the question, what's the difference between consulting and coaching? For client outreach, I have probably six or eight stock emails for starting up the conversation and replying to the different stages of YouTube sponsorship that I get. So think about the things that you do day after day and start to save and develop templates for them. Save that email that you found yourself writing over and over and throw it in a folder that says email templates and name it something intuitive and keep that open on your desktop. And when you have to write that email, you just open it, copy it, paste it, boom, fill in the high part, and then you're done. Same thing for proposals. So if you're developing the same proposal over and over again, and you have a design phase, or you have a strategy phase, or you have a copywriting phase, or a website phase, when you write those proposals, save those proposals as templates, either those phases or you know, maybe you have phases for big companies, middle-sized companies, and small companies. Save all three different sizes of that phase for proposals. Save, 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 and use those templates. You may also find yourself going to the same folder on your hard drive or on Dropbox or something like that every single day. Another hack for that is to create aliases. I know you can do this on the Mac. I'm not super familiar with PCs. But essentially, if you create an alias, it's a folder or that points or file icon that points to something somewhere else on your hard drive. And so creating aliases for folders that exist, maybe nested into a number of different levels on your hard drive is a really, really great hack to keeping from having to click into five different levels of folder to get to something that you go to 10 times a day. So create aliases and use aliases. Also, if you're opening the same browser windows every day, like when I start off my day, I have my Google Drive tab set up on Firefox to be open, my to-do list, my calendar, and my content idea sparks capture document. I have four tabs that open every single time I start up Firefox because I don't want to have to go and find and open those tabs every single day. So setting that up as a startup item can be really helpful. Another way that I use templates is I use templates for content posts. So I obviously have a YouTube channel. I have, I do lives, I do 
regular YouTube videos. I do shorts. And so I have a number of different templates that I use for content posts that all I have to do is switch out the photo, type some new text, and boom, I'm done. Rather than creating from scratch every single time, I need to create a content visual. I also use templates when I podcast. So when I'm doing podcast production, someone else does it for me now, but when I was doing it, I set up a podcast production file in uh, Apple Logic, which was my mixing platform of choice, where I had all of my ad spots locked in there. I had my intro, my outro. I had the audio mix on my microphone, the EQ, the compression, the denoise, all that sort of stuff was all set up as a template. So when I opened this template document in Logic, all I had to do was drop in the sound files, drop in the ads, and it, it was almost done apart from stripping out some silence and stuff like that. So templates are your friend. Anything that you do in terms of repetition, you find yourself doing every day, create templates, create swipe files, create aliases, create startup documents that are going to make any kind of repetitious activity a thing of the past, or at least as minimized as possible. This is kind of a yeah, duh, but it's not really because a lot of people don't do it. And there is a hack involved in this. So early birds win, meaning this is a little bit of tough love. If you're getting up at 9, 30, 10 o'clock every day and you think you're going to have a super productive day and you're going to be entrepreneur on fire, it ain't going to happen. Some of the best and most successful people in the world get up super early. My old boss, the CEO of PepsiCo, Indra Nui, she wakes up at 4 a.m. and is like leaving voicemails for people. <laughs> and she's at work no later than 7 a.m. Gary V, another guy, machine, wakes up at 6 a.m., drops a bunch of F-bombs, right, probably, and then checks his phone, reads news, does exercising, and he's at work by 8 o'clock. If you have a hard time waking up, here's the hack. Wake up the same time every single day. If you're setting an alarm, set your alarm for the same time every day. Weekends too. That's the hard part. Weekends too. Wake up at the exact same time every day. Your internal body clock, if you change the time that you wake up every day, your body clock can't get into a real rhythm with it, right? So it doesn't know what to do. It, it freaks out. The thing about getting up every single day, if you do it for like three weeks, four weeks, you will find that you don't need an alarm anymore. Your body will wake you up at that time by itself. I haven't set an alarm in two years because I get up at six o'clock every single day. And the other benefit, the other huge benefit is that you're going to be alert, faster, and ready to go quicker. You're going to need less coffee like I need less coffee than I did before. Because when I would wake up at eight o'clock on weekends and 5.30 sometimes when I had a lot of work to do and I was constantly adjusting it like that, my body didn't know what the hell was going on. And now that I get up at six o'clock every single day, I don't need an alarm clock anymore. It's amazing. You should try it. Self-care first. Take care of yourself first. Like I said, I am a holistic thinker when it comes to mind, body, whole person as business person, as creative. We have work lives and we have life lives. We have to take care of both. So when I say self-care first, take care of yourself, your emotional self, your mental self, your physical self first. 
If you meditate, if you do yoga, if you exercise, if you journal, do it first thing in the morning. Benefits of this are, like the last one, getting up at the same time, you will think more clearly. You'll also be less stressed due to the endorphins that exercise and meditation produces in your body. You'll feel better about yourself for doing self-care because work is stressful. You wouldn't be here if you weren't experiencing some sort of time management or some sort of productivity stress in your life. And doing some self-care is incredibly important to putting yourself in the best position to do the best work that you can that day. Now, here's the other reason that doing it first thing in the morning is important. Because number one, sometimes I say, I'll work out tonight when I get home or I'll work out after work. And then my day goes sideways and then I end up getting home an hour and a half late and then rushing through dinner and then I'm tired and I'm burnt out and I'm like, I don't want to work out and then I don't. But if you do it first thing, you don't have to worry about doing it later because you'll be more tired then, you'll have less time, and you also won't get that stress relief, that endorphin bit that's going to set you up for having a better day. So self-care first. I get up at 6 a.m. Two days a week in the work week, I have to walk my dogs. I wake up, I sit on the couch, I bang through my, this is another thing I'll talk about later, is I bang through my junk emails, trash, 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 Within about 15 or 20 minutes, I've had my coffee, I put on some clothes, and I walk my dogs for 45 minutes. I come back, I have a smoothie with fruit and protein powder, and then I work out or I meditate. And then, because I I work out three or four times a week, I meditate the other times or I do yoga the other times. And then I go to work. I'm usually at work by 8.30, 9 o'clock. I work till 6 and then I go home. The days that I don't have to walk the dogs, when my wife is walking the dogs, I get up and those are the days that I usually work out because I have more time. Doing yoga and meditating takes a little shorter time for me. So I do those on the days that I have to actually walk my dogs. And the other thing about it is that walking my dogs for me is like a walking meditation. I use that time many times. I listen to ambient music or instrumental music, and I kind of process my thoughts and how I'm feeling and what I want to do and what my plans are in that kind of walking meditation at the beginning of my day. Okay, email three times a day. This is a really hard one, but this is one of the ones that can be incredibly transformative in terms of a habit. I can't stress this enough, you guys. This is a really hard one to do. But this one really has massive benefits. Email is a necessity in our businesses today. We know it. Email is important. But email can become a trap. Checking your email 10, 15, 20 times a day, having your notifications open is the biggest time suck and biggest productivity killer in the business world today. Email can throw you curveballs. It's like standing in front of a pitching machine. Curveballs can come your way. Distractions, things you got to deal with, things that are going to put you off schedule. Something that you're like, oh, wow, that's a really cool house that's for sale. I'll go check that out. Or this is a real cool image on Pinterest. And then suddenly you're in the pinhole scrolling for 10 minutes. Email introduces curveballs and distractions. We know it contains business communication that we have to deal with, but it also introduces distractions like a pitching machine throwing curveballs at you. The answer to this is simple. Look at it less often. 
look at email less often. I look at email, my main emails. I'm not talking about Facebook messages, and those are some things that I have to, are more like conversation tools. I look at email three times a day. I look at it right when I get up, like I said, on my phone, and I process through all of the garbage, all of the trash. And then I recognize the five or six important emails that I really have to do something with. And I know they're there. And then I usually actually don't take action on those ones unless it's something absolutely critical until midday anyway. And I'll get into that as well. The second time I look at it is before lunch, midday. And that's when I address those important emails, those action-oriented emails. The third time I look at it is before quitting time, right before I leave the office. I do it about a half an hour to 45 minutes before I leave the office because you know it takes a while to get through all the emails that I get in a day. What you want to do is you want to tell your clients and partners and coworkers that this is what you do, that this is how you address email. And telling them and not just doing it is important because this is why. It trains you to be more focused and to have some discipline in this habit of the single worst time suck that we have in our day-to-day lives. It also, and this is the real important part, is that it trains others that you are not a puppet on a string. It trains others that you look at email three times a day. It shows them that you are a time management, productivity, focused business person, machine. The benefit of this is that people are going to respect you for having more discipline. You are going to come off as more of a in-control-of-yourself professional. And then over time, just like getting up at the same time every day, over time, People will come to expect that this is when you look at email, and they may hold off on the important email that they need to send you until noon. And this is more like in a business environment than it is if you're a freelancer working at home. But this is one of those things that can be really, really helpful, really transformative in your business. But like I'm saying, it is a hard thing to do. It is a hard habit to institute, and it's a hard habit to keep up. But It is one of the ones that can change everything. This is where I say no scrolls. If you are looking at another scrolling Pinterest right now, or if you're like, you got another tab open, or you're like doodling on something at the moment, and you're kind of multitasking like I told you not to do, this is where I want you to come back to me for a second and look at this. Email three times a day. That is one of those things that can change your life. It's hard to do, but it can change your life. All right, here's the one. The one big rock. The one big rock. What is the one big rock? The one big rock, like email three times a day, is another game changer. It's very easy to feel like you're being productive when you're doing a lot of little things. This is one of those things that I struggle with. Look, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm sharing these things because some of these things I do and I'm really good at and other ones I'm still working on. Like no one's perfect with this stuff. And I'm a crash test dummy. So I try this stuff out and what really works and what I find really powerful, I share with you guys. This one I'm using and this one I'm doing, but also this is another hard one to institute. But when you do it, it can be incredible. I have a tendency to have a to-do list that's 100 items long all the time. Joselle's here in the chat. She knows. She's intimate. She shares my to-do list with me. It is massive. And I'm constantly reprioritizing and adding things and dropping things off. So some of them are tiny and easy to do. Take a couple seconds. I put everything on my to-do list. I used to a couple years ago. 
I had a tendency to have a huge to-do list and I would put all the really easy things to do at the top. And I would do those first because clicking off a whole bunch of to-do list items made me feel good, made me feel like I was being productive. But this is an illusion. It was an illusion of productivity because productivity is doing things that have impacts on your business, financial revenue, moving the big rock, impacts on your business, little busy work stuff, organizing your files, whatever that is, cleaning your studio. The things that you can click off really fast generally do not have massive effects on your business. So here's the trick. Focus on the big rocks. I personally never get as much done as I want in a day. I have huge expectations and I'm constantly overly optimistic about my level of what I can get done because I'm ambitious. I want to get more done. Every day I want to get more done. So that's why I focus a lot on productivity and time management. But by being realistic and focusing on the one big rock, this is where the big rock comes from. Tim Ferriss's book, Four Hour Work Week, you might have read it. One of the concepts in it, work at the first part of the day on that one big thing. The one big thing, and here's the thing, usually the things that are big and take a long time are going to have the biggest effect and most impact on your business. Work on that one big thing for like an hour, two hours before you do anything else, before you open email, before you do any of the little noodly stuff, focus on the one big thing. And here's how you define the one big thing. When you think about your day and you think, what if my day went completely sideways halfway through the day? What is the one thing that if I made some progress on it and I did nothing else that day, I would feel like my day was a bit of a success. My day was a success if I was able to really move that big rock forward just a little bit. That big project, that big new initiative, that big thing that you're developing, whether it's a piece of content or whether it's a design project or whether it's a presentation that you're working on. What is that big thing that is going to have a real effect on your business? Before you open email, before you do anything else, Work on that one big thing for one or two hours. This is something that I have started to do. And again, absolutely transformative, absolutely amazing. That is the big one big rock concept. And it's hard. I'm not going to say that the stuff that I'm, you can just check things out. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do this one. I'll do number 13. It doesn't work that way. It's like some of these things are hard things to institute and they take a lot of effort and they take a lot of willpower and they take a lot of habit-building practice to continue to do, but they can have transformational effects on your business and on your happiness in work and in life and in feeling like it's not such a chaotic mess. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At byol.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit byol.me forward slash Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's byol.me forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. The next one is calendarize everything. And I'm going to be really transparent with you guys. I go back and forth on this one. This is really hard to do. 
Sometimes I will go weeks where I'm like calendar everything. My calendar looks like a whole stacked up layer of like playing solitaire and other weeks are not like that. Sometimes I find that this is like super helpful. Sometimes I find that it doesn't particularly work for that week that I'm working on. But the one thing I would say is run your business on a calendar. I have a tab open for Google Calendar on my desktop 24-7. If I schedule meetings on it, I do repeat meetings. It has repeat meeting functionality, which is really helpful. It has task scheduling and also have multiple calendars. So I have a calendar for business. I have a calendar for personal. I have a calendar for family. And you can set it up so all of those events overlap and you can see them all or you can click them off and you only see your business events for the day. I schedule everything when I do this. And like I said, this is the one place where I am not perfect. I put on waking up. I put on walking the dogs, exercising, time for travel, real events, meaning real meetings, real Zooms, real calls, my to-do tasks. I do always put lunch and breaks on there. And here's one of the hacks that I have for you, and that is fake events. And what I do is when I block my time, I block fake events or essentially work time. So if someone's trying to schedule a meeting with me on my Calendly, I'll show up as unavailable because I've blocked this time for dedicated work time. Now, here's the real benefit when I do this religiously. Another thing that you can do is that you can use your calendar as a diary. So sometimes if your days go sideways, when I'm done with my day, I will go back in and I will fill out how I spent my day when I know that it has to be a little more fluid. And then your calendar acts as a business diary or a record of your accomplishments or focuses, which can be really helpful when you're doing an assessment of how you've been spending your time. And that's another thing that I highly recommend. In the agency business, time tracking is the bane of everyone's existence because you have to track time when you're working on client projects because when you scope and price client projects, you have to scope it by hours for the number of people working on it, how much those people get charged an hour, depending on the level of the people. When you are scoping big projects for big companies, that's how you build proposals and price quotes. In agencies, when you have a team of 15 or 20 designers like I've had, then everyone has to track their time. They have to submit their hours at the end of every week. And getting people to do this is a nightmare. It's always, you got to track your hours. You got to track your hours. So I felt a couple months ago that my time was getting away from me a little bit. Maybe it was the summer. I don't know what it was. So I started using an app called Toggle, T-O-G-G-L. Toggle is a SaaS thing that you can use for time tracking. It's free. I don't know how they make money because you can create projects, you can track activities, and then you can get reporting on your time across projects, across activities. It's amazing. It's an amazing tool. And so for about a month, I tracked every single thing I did on Toggle all day long. And then at the end of the month, I did a report on myself, how I was spending my time. And it was really illuminating. And so if this is one of those things, if you are like, if you're a seven, eight or nine or 10 on your pain and suffering in terms of time management and productivity, do yourself a favor, get Toggle. You can get it as a desktop app, which is really cool, or you can do it on the web, on their website and track your time religiously for a month and then go back and do an analytics assessment of how you've been spending your time. And you'll learn a lot. And that's a little hack or a little process hack to kind of help you at least get some real visibility 
to what's happening. Because that's one of the problems with time management is that it's ethereal. And if you're tracking your business activity on a calendar, you can go back and look at that. Or if you're tracking your hours as you do them, and then you can go back a month later and look at an aggregation of how you're spending a time, that can be super, super helpful in giving you some true visibility and clarity from 30,000 feet on what the hell is happening with your time. The next one is work on a deadline. My dad was a journalist. I grew up in a newspaper family. And my dad was always on deadlines. He had to submit an editorial or he had to write an article because the paper's coming out tomorrow. And so set a timer when you're working on something. Set an alarm. You say, this is my big rock. I'm going to work on this big rock for two hours. Set a two-hour alarm. And don't look up until that alarm goes off. But also try to perform to that deadline. So Make some plans at the end of the day. If you have a hard time like working past the end of your day from five or six and then seven and you're like, oh my God, I got to get home, give yourself a hard deadline on a project or either on a to-do item and say, I've got to get this done by X. Because the thing is, is that the time you spend doing something will expand to the amount of time that you give it to do. So if you say, I have to get this script written in an hour, I have to get this logo banged out in an hour. Act like you burned off four days of development for a project you were on and like, oh, you know what? This is due tomorrow. We've all been there. Maybe a lot of us did it in school when the term paper was due and you burned through all your time and then suddenly you had to pull an all-nighter and you had a deadline and you got it done. Give yourself a hard deadline when you have to stop working on it. That can really help with establishing a level of productivity. Either set a timer, give yourself a hard deadline, when you have to stop. Time protecting. This is something that I just started to do. This is different from time blocking. Time blocking is when you go on your calendar and you say, okay, I'm going to work on this project this time. I go to lunch here and I take a break here and then I'm going to answer email in this slot. That's time blocking. This is time protecting. Time protecting is different. I realized that in my own business, building my own personal brand, developing content, developing videos, courses, doing strategic thinking, consuming content, consuming inspiration, things that I liked to do that really fed my energy and positively affected my business and gave me inspiration. I found when I looked at all my time tracking that I spent at least eight hours doing that a week, if not more. And depending on where I am in my monthly calendar, sometimes my content development is takes a lot more time than that. But so what I decided to do And I got to credit Chris Ducker for this because I was inspired by him when he said, you know, I work three days a week. I didn't become an entrepreneur and a successful entrepreneur to work a five-day week. I do everything I do and I work really hard and really focused, but I only work three days a week. And I was like, you know what? I've had my own business for seven years now and I'm an entrepreneur. I work for myself. No one else owns my time but me. I'm going to work a four-day week. Now, I say a four-day week because I only do client-focused things. I only accept client-focused things, coaching or whatever, four days a week. But one day a week, I have blocked off my Fridays in perpetuity on my calendar, a revolving meeting where no one can schedule anything with me on Fridays. I have a peer mastermind that I am a part of that I attend from noon to one every Friday. And the whole rest of the day, I either spend developing content, consuming stuff, developing courses, brands, posting content, engaging with my community through comments, doing strategic thinking, consuming inspiration, and I treat it like a doctor's appointment. I protect that time fiercely by protecting it on my calendar. 
Now, you may not be able to do a whole day. You may have a different gig than I do. But if you can't do a whole day, create some sort of protected time zone on your calendar. Treat it like a doctor's appointment, like it's sacred. No one can schedule that. And focus that time on something that feeds your business, that really energizes you, feeds your energy, keeps you inspired, keeps you positive about your work. And I do this on Fridays because number one, that means I have a three-day weekend, even though I'm working my ass off on Friday, it's stuff that really energizes me. And then I flow into my weekend. And then Monday through Thursday, I focus on the heavy client lifting stuff. But that Friday, like I look forward to Fridays because I really, I get to focus without guilt on developing my personal brand stuff. And I also get to really focus on it. So that's what I mean. Not just time blocking, time protecting. Give yourself a gift of time. Protect it like it's a baby in a crib. Like it's a doctor's appointment that you scheduled three months ago and that you have to make. It can really be one of those. And this is one of those ones that is emotionally and in terms of your human comfort level of being that can be re- can really, really, really provide incredible benefits for you in terms of your not feeling that your life is so chaotic, that your time management and productivity is such a mess. It really can focus you and it can also reward you for the hard work that you do in giving you time to focus on what is really important for yourself. And so step back and try to carve out a little time for yourself that is sacrosanct. All right, deep work. Deep work is a concept where you totally focus on one activity. You turn off desktop notifications, you mute your phone, you close your door, you close all those browser windows. If you're in an office, you put on headphones, you put on instrumental music or ambient music and really focus entirely. And it has to do with the one big rock too, but you can do deep work on any kind of project during the day. Now, it's okay to get distracted. We all will get distracted, especially if you work in an office environment. And God help you in the agency world who work in open office environments, the stupidest thing ever invented for creative professionals. If you get distracted, be easy with yourself. No one is perfect. Just observe the fact internally that you've been distracted and then come back and refocus. It's like meditating. I practice meditation. And one of those things is, is that when you practice meditation, you realize and you're told you cannot turn off your mind. Your mind will machinate and those gears will turn on stuff no matter what you do. And if you don't give it anything to turn on, it will find something to turn on. And one of the aspects of meditation, and this is, you know, directly relates to this idea of time management and productivity, is that when you are meditating, your mind will wander. You will, you know, be focusing on the third eye, you'll be quiet, you'll try to, you know, kind of quiet your mind. And then as you're doing that, a couple minutes later, you realize, oh, I'm thinking about, you know, that new water purifier that I got to buy, or that dog leash that broke. And you're like, why am I thinking about that? And then you just have to acknowledge it. You say, I've gone off track. I'm going to pull myself back. I'm going to pull myself back and quiet my mind again. It's because it's a constant ongoing process of refocusing. You will get better over time recognizing when you are thinking or when you're getting distracted and being able to bring yourself back. So be kind to yourself. But this is one of those habits that you have to learn how to observe it. And then you have to actually change it. You have to approach it in a different way. 
and you're not going to be able to do it consistently or very quickly at the beginning. But over time, it's a habit that you will get better at. It's a muscle that will get stronger, just like meditation. As I've been doing a much longer period of time, I can stay in that zone of not thinking, quieted mind for much longer than I used to. But still, even now, I find myself being sidelined and I just have to be kind to myself and draw myself back. Plan for the unexpected. Look, happens. Has everything run smoothly for you all week? That never happens. Your day will never go 100% the way you expect it to. Tasks take longer than expected. For me, like I said earlier, I get super ambitious and think I can accomplish more than I can. Some days I'll write a list of five things and think, okay, it's only five things. I can get those things done and I get three done. Tasks take longer than expected. You will get distracted. An unexpected phone call comes in. It's a client or you get a last minute meeting. So here's my power tip for this. Schedule buffer time. If you have meetings, schedule a half an hour buffer time on either side of it. Block it on your calendar. I'm doing this live. I scheduled this live for an hour, but I scheduled a half an hour and Joselle's laughing right now because she knows that I can never do a live in only an hour. (laughs) But I schedule for an hour, but I always schedule a half hour to an hour of buffer time afterwards. So I block my calendar for that time because I know I'm going to go over or something could happen or it could be fantastic. And I really like being here with you guys. It's time that allows for the unexpected. And here's the added benefit. If you can't use it, use it as a break. And we're going to get to that too. Take breaks. Parkinson's law. And I talked about this a little bit before. Parkinson's law says your work will expand to fill the time you give to do it. A study group called the Dodgium Group did a study in 2014, that deep study that found out that you are most productive if you work for 52 minutes in a focused way and you break for 17 and you work in a 52-17 cycle. And I know that's like crazy scientific, but it is literally scientifically proven that you will get more done than if you work straight through. Because what happens is we lose efficiency over time. And I have to admit, this is another one of those things that is really, really hard to do. It's really hard, especially with like workaholic focused people like me. It's really hard to break away and to say, okay, I'm going to get up from the desk and I'm going to go sit in my lounge chair over there and I'm going to go you know, look at some inspiration or I'm going to journal or I'm going to just meditate for 10 minutes. Here's a hack for helping you do this. Set an alarm on your phone or repeating an alarm that goes off every 52 minutes or whatever time period you set. There's also some really cool apps, and I used one of these for a while as I was teaching myself this, that dim your screen on your computer. So you can set it up so it actually slowly dims your screen after the time you've set for it. So it actually makes you realize, okay, it's now time for me to take a break. And you'll find yourself like snoozing that thing all the time. (laughs) But it's one of those things that can be really helpful. Why does this method work? This method works because downtime resets your brain. It's just like when you sleep. When you sleep, your brain goes into REM sleep where your eyes are moving very quickly. And your brain is actually deciding at that moment of all your experiences that you went through during the day, your brain is deciding what do I need to remember and write down on my mental hard drive and store in long-term memory and what is trivial and I can forget. What did I have for lunch on Monday? I have no idea. My brain didn't need to remember that. 
But my brain did need to remember that my dog doesn't like this one certain dog in the neighborhood. And then if I see him coming down the street, I should probably cross the street. So that is exactly what taking breaks in your workday does. It kind of resets your brain to refocus. So by taking a break, it gives your mind a quieted a moment where when you come back to the work, many times you come back to it with more intention, more clarity, and you will actually over time get more done. And to tell you the truth, it feels better and it's more fun to take more breaks. And finally, bribes work and brownies are my bribe of choice. Set up a reward, bribe yourself. Deny yourself if you don't get the thing done that you're giving yourself a bribe for. You don't get it. It could be as little as a brownie or a cookie. It could be big like a night out. It could be giant like a trip to Las Vegas or a vacation of some sort. Give yourself some bribes. It works with kids. It works with adults. So sometimes, and I've done this before, a 7-Eleven is down the street from my office and they have these really amazing caramel cookies, which are like 200 calories a piece. They're like insane. And they sell them two in a pack. So I will buy two and I will say, if I can move my big rock and I can work two hours on this thing, then at lunchtime after I have my nice healthy salad lunch, I'm going to get to eat one of these cookies. It's stupid. Yes, I know. It's absolutely stupid. It's silly. It's juvenile. But the thing is, is that it works. It totally works. And so try it. And so how do you protect time with loved ones? How do I do it? Here's the thing. I have a little easier life than some in the fact that I am not fortunate enough to have children. And so it's my wife, me, my cat who runs the house, and 210-pound dogs, 100-pound dogs. And so I have a lot of draws on my time. But when you have loved ones that need your attention, like children, it's a little harder to carve out time. But it's one of those things, and it works the exact same way, where you have to communicate that you need this time, cloister yourself off, and kids and people can be irritated at it or chafe at it a little bit. And over time, people will respect you for taking it. And here's the other thing is that it's like living by example. If you live by these positive habits and you do it consistently, it's going to make you a better, happier person and a better person to be around. And it's also teaching your loved ones to take care of themselves in a positive, healthy way. Yes, it involves sometimes a little bit of guilt as you're doing it, as you're protecting that time. But think of it as a teaching opportunity for the people that are in your life and in your family, is that you have to show that this is a good, positive way to live and that you're going to come back to, you're going to come back to the relationship refreshed, happier, and you're going to give more positively of yourself in that relationship if you carve out time for yourself. When do you know you have done enough work for the day as a entrepreneur or freelancer? And as a content creator and someone who creates value on a lot of different platforms from YouTube to Instagram to shorts to a podcast to masterminds, stuff like that. My work, the courses, my work is never done. I always want to do more. You will always have a full to-do list and it will always be difficult to turn off. It is for me anyway. One of the things very, very early in my career when I just became a creative director and I was managing my first person, it was me and I had a designer that I managed. And this was like way back in the day before half of you were already born. And 
I kept a paper to-do list and my to-do list was 15, 20 items long. And I tried to get through the whole thing every day and I never did. And more items would come on and I'd click off a few items. And as a Virgo, I'm sorry, I'm getting like all crunching granola on you here, but as a Virgo, I like to be able to click things off the list and be done. I'd like to do things perfectly. I like to be organized. I like to have that satisfaction. And so I was always, for the first couple of years of being a manager of people, I was always frustrated by the fact that I always had this long to-do list. And I, it came a day where I said, my to-do list will never be done. I will always have a long to-do list. There will always be things at the end of the day that I didn't get to, that I wanted to do, that are going to have to wait for another day. And that is one of those things that early in your life, in your professional life, you have to eventually face is that you have to just set a time. And like I do, I'm always in my office by nine and then my wife expects me home at six. I'm lucky enough, my office is a number of blocks from my house. I can walk to work, but I set those parameters because I very much so have workaholic genes in me and I want to do so much and I'm so passionate about what I do that I could do this all day, every day. I absolutely adore it. I'm having more fun in my professional life than I have in decades. And so I want to do this stuff, but I know for my personal well-being, for the well-being of my relationship, for the well-being of my pets, for the well-being of the rest of my personal life that I have to take care of, chores around the house, stuff like that, family obligations, my mom, my brothers, sisters, et cetera, I know I have to turn off. So I know when I'm done for the day, when it hits six o'clock, I set a time parameter. I set a deadline, and that's how I know. As many of you know, I quit corporate uh, about seven, eight years ago. I had a global VP job, big company, and I burned out. I burned out big time. So I started an online accessories company with a friend of mine. And in doing that, that rekindled my love for branding and design. And so then I started my agency. And it's a virtual agency. It's a consultancy where I use outside partners. It's me. And then I have you know around eight or 10 outside partners who I use for projects, depending on what I get. I worked my first year from home, from my home office. And if you go back and look at my super early videos, you'll see that I did my videos there. That was from my home office. And after about a year, I started to go a little bonkers. Like I had an epiphany one day because I had to go into the city and I live near New York City. I got on a train. It takes about 45 minutes to get there. I'd been working in my home office. And then I got on the train and I I was, you know, riding for 45 minutes to get into the city. And it was like, it was like I had taken drugs. It was like I was deluged by ideas and fresh concepts and strategic thinking and inspiration that I hadn't felt in weeks. And I was like, what is happening here? And so I thought. Is it just getting out of my home office? And so I started experimenting with going to a library, local library, and I would take my laptop and I'd work from the library. And the same thing was happening. And then I learned about a co working space that was in my town where I live. And I joined this co working space for just like eight hours a week, I think, or 10, 16 hours a week. And I went there a couple days a week. And when I went to that co working space, I was totally focused. Other people there were working. There was a work vibe going on. I was not in my house. The dog wasn't barking. The UPS guy wasn't coming. I wasn't thinking about some laundry that I had to fold. And I was able to totally focus. And I loved it. 
So I went to that co-working space for about a year. After that, I got a private office in that co-working space and I split it with somebody. And then a couple of years after that, I moved out of that co-working space and went into a, a big loft office building near where I live. And so I've had a private office about five blocks from my house for about four or five years now. And it's awesome. And I absolutely love it. And it's not huge. It's like literally about 13 by 15. It's very close to home. But here's the thing. The reason why I do it is because when I come to my office, I'm work focused, 100% work focused. This is what I'm here to do. I'm surrounded by my work, the portfolio piece that I do, all my content, my lights, everything here has to do with work and it keeps me 100% focused. And when I go home, I am then in home head. Here's the thing. Psychologically, I was able to create work life and home life. And the physical separation of those two things has been incredibly helpful for my mental well-being and also for my focus on my business and for my focus on my family. And it's a break, like just that physical movement from one space to another space allows me to be in a different psychological space. So if people are working from and don't have the opportunity to rent an external space, try it out. Go to a library, go to a coffee shop. For me, coffee shops weren't great because like I said, too much conversation going on, but I went to libraries. Try out external spaces and see if it affects your productivity or inspiration or your focus at all. Because for me, it really did. It was a game changer. And starting my own business is when I took an office outside of my home. What are some good ideas for a quick, healthy breakfast? Okay. This is what I do for my good, healthy breakfast. When I want quick, good, and healthy, I have frozen or fresh fruit, blueberries, raspberries, mango's great because it's very fibrous and it makes things kind of thick. I have a Cuisinart hand mixer and I bought a steel milkshake tumbler, like one of those ones you make milkshakes in it, like a hamburger stand. So I put in some mango, some frozen blueberries, some sometimes some strawberries or something else. And I put a scoop of whey protein powder in it because the protein powder is good for you. And when eaten in moderation, it's excellent for you. And the thing is that it's protein, so it keeps you full. So if I had just the fruit with oat milk, water, protein powder, if I just had the fruit without the protein powder, I wouldn't stay full as long. So it takes me two seconds to blend it. And then I throw a straw in there and that's my good healthy breakfast. So I hope that helps. That's totally personal. Now you guys know what I have for breakfast. How do you deal with other people's poor time management? When I was managing big creative departments, I had to deal with that a lot. And that's an HR issue, to be honest with you. I mean, as the manager of people, you have to have difficult conversations sometimes if people aren't managing their time well, and you give them suggestions on how to do it better, and they have to try and practice those and be accountable for those. If you are now in my own business, If I am working with people that have poor time management, if they're clients, there's not much you can do about it. But if they are coworkers, I don't choose to work with people who have poor time management skills. So I have the luxury of saying who and I work with and who I don't. If this is more of a family thing, you know, you have a spouse who's always late or doesn't have good time management, again, all you can do is live by example and communicate with people about how you feel if it affects you. And that's that's a relationship thing. But you have to be clear about your expectations, about how their behavior influences you, and 
how you would like it to be different and then live by example as much as you can because you can only tell people so much. How do I avoid procrastinating? One of the things I found when I found myself procrastinating was that I realized that I was procrastinating because either I was afraid of what the eventual result of what I did might be, meaning you're procrastinating on developing a design and you're worried that the design you develop, they won't like it. Or you're procrastinating on having to deal with a conversation that's going to be a difficult conversation with a client or with a coworker or with a family member. I've usually found that procrastinating, usually if you think through the reasons why you are putting this off, you will generally dig down to something that has to do with fear, either fear of performance, fear of perfectionism, or a, a deep-seated desire to not want to do that thing. Meaning maybe you're a designer and you hate doing your financials or you hate doing your time management or you hate doing your books, you hate doing your filing because you're not great with papers. So if you dig down to the why, many times you can get over the hurdle of not doing it. Also, if you know you are procrastinating, then you're giving yourself to a certain extent continued permission to procrastinate. And this was another thing that I learned from someone that I follow was I got an email from them that said, if you respond to this email, I may not get back to you for four or five hours because I answer email three times a day. And I was like, huh, what do you mean? If I respond to this, you're not going to get back to me. But it was like, I had a level of respect for that person that they were being controlling of their time. And they were also, and here's the important thing, communicating to me about what my expectations would be or should be. And they said, if it's an absolute emergency, just email me back and put emergency in the subject line because that you can see. Or if it's an emergency, text me or Facebook message me or something. You can do that. You can give people a channel, but just be communicative and set boundaries. Just like relationships, set some boundaries. All right, you guys, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your hanging out with me today. You guys are tremendous and I will see you again soon. Take care. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.